Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Lungo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about mindful living, cultivating present moment awareness for enhanced well-being. And our guest is a virtual guest all the way from Singapore today. And I'm very excited to talk to her about this topic. I really love her presence ever since we started talking um, before the recording. And I'm quite sure it's going to be a really mindful conversation. And also, we'll learn a lot from her. Um, so please join me in welcoming Erin to our podcast. Um, and by way of introduction, Erin Lee is founder and mindfulness coach of Mindful Moments Singapore. She is a mindfulness practitioner and advocate of mindfulness as a way of life. It is her personal vision to help more and more people learn mindfulness skills and incorporate mindfulness practice into their daily lives to improve their well-being. Thank you so much for joining us today, Erin. How are you? I'm good, Lou. Thank you for inviting me to join the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I think um, mindful living is a new topic to a lot of people. Um, you know, if someone is into mindfulness and, you know, really wants to sort of cultivate it in their lives, this is nothing new. But mindful living is probably a new concept um, because I know we've talked a lot about mindfulness on this show particularly, uh, but not mindful living just yet. So I'm also excited to learn more about it. And I'm really curious when I read your bio because, you know, you've um, you've got into this field uh, professionally and, you know, normally people are just kind of like trying to learn more about it and to do this professionally must be uh, because of a certain reason. Right. So I would love to hear more about your journey, um, why you got here and especially why you chose to do this work that you're doing. Yeah, I'd love to share more about this. I um, I haven't always been doing this. Obviously, I was working um, in the corporate world, um, specifically corporate communications for about 10 years. And uh, throughout that 10 years, I really made myself miserable. Um, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to pay attention to myself. And so I constantly went into these cycles of burnout. And with every job that I um, took up, um, it's always 200% and then exhaustion and then burnout, breakdown, and then I would quit the job, I would find a new job to to just begin the whole cycle again. So this went on for almost 10 years. And my last um, corporate cons work was in Beijing. And I spent two years there. And that was sort of like the last straw on the camel's back. Um, and I was in a really bad shape. But I was I was at the brink of a breakdown. And I was really fortunate to have a good friend who saw that I was in a in a bad shape, and she said, "You know, why don't you, why don't you go for one of those meditation retreats?" And she used the air quotes because she didn't know what she was talking about, and I didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, but something clicked, and I decided to um, Google nearest meditation retreat, and I found a center in Taiwan that taught mindfulness meditation. 
And of course, I had no idea what it was going to be like, but uh, I decided to, you know, take time off work. Um, I traveled there and um, I had to just check myself in. They took away my phone. They took away my, away my laptop. And basically every day was just uh, 10 hours of meditation, uh, mindfulness meditation and eating well and, and resting well and sleeping. And um, a little detail that I had left out before was that prior to mindfulness, I had a lot of self-destructive habits because I, I didn't know how to take care of myself. And this included a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I was basically using alcohol as a way to cope with the stresses, the struggles that I was going through. And so I couldn't imagine a day going a day without alcohol. And of course, at the retreat center, alcohol wasn't available. It wasn't allowed. So through that 10 days, I didn't drink any alcohol. Um, and when I emerged 10 days later, I was quite amazed that I didn't have to drink. And I felt really well. I felt like I was healed and I had recovered. And what's really interesting was that um, that very day when I left the center, I went back to the to the city of Taipei and that very evening I went to a bar and I got myself drunk <laughs> on the streets of Taipei. Um, and it was it's funny on hindsight, uh, but it was also really insightful because that was when I realized that um, as helpful as it was, uh, mindfulness meditation is not a magic pill. It's not therapy. Um, it's not an overnight transformation. It's really a lifelong journey for me. So I was um, sober enough to recognize um, how it could potentially help me and transform my life, um, even just feeling that little bit of change. And so that was when I decided I had to continue with this practice every single day. I had to keep up with it. And, um, and then I decided to get myself trained as uh, a teacher. And so that's where I am today. And I, um, what I do every day is to endeavor to share this with as many people as I can. Wow, that's really amazing. I love that story. I think a lot of us can resonate with that because the thing is, we don't normalize talking about the, you know, nine to five everyday struggle enough. Um, you yes. know, if you go onto the internet or the social media, a lot of people are just talking about how, you know, they are entrepreneurs and they're doing all these amazing things, but everyone sort of has a backstory and it kind of sounds, they all kind of sound the same. Um, yeah. You know, you go to the corporate world, you get burnt out, you don't know what you're doing with your life. And then um, thanks to that kind of feeling lost, um, and feeling frustrated, you find your calling in a way. I know it sounds super cheesy, uh, but I've heard so many stories like yours that I'm kind of thinking this. There's has there has to be something here. And for you, you know, it is it is mindfulness, and I think mindful living is especially a, a very different thing too. And um, look, I said a lot of people can resonate with this, and you're probably people on our very team can resonate with this. Mm -hmm. I myself resonate with parts of your story. Um, and so I think it's it's something that we can invite more people to talk about um, at the very least. Um, and hopefully after our uh, conversation today, we can also 
inspire um, others in a way to, you know, if they haven't tried it before, take up mindfulness um, and mindful living because, you know, everyday moments are just, there are so many of them. You're going to do so many things in a day and there will be moments where we are mindful and moments where we're not, right? So I don't think it is a is a fail to, you know, not have mindfulness at all times. Um, and we'll explore this in a little bit when we talk about the topic. Before we do that, we have a section where we get to know the guest a bit better. And today we have a section that we're going to call, Have You Met Erin? I'm going to get some recommendations from you. Um, since you're very onto mindfulness, I'm keen to hear what the things that you like would be. Um, the first thing I always ask my guests, my favorite question is, what is a book you would recommend? Oh, there are so many. Um, I, I found this to be really hard. Um, it, it just in terms of mindfulness, I would really uh, recommend any books by Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, Bhante Ji. So there is a book by Bhante Ji that's really good called The Four Foundations of Mindfulness or Mindfulness in Plain English. I think for anyone who would like to get a head start on mindfulness and really get to the essence of it, but in in a in a really simple way, um, these two books are the way to go. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that. And what about a movie recommendation? Um, one of the more recent movies that's really left an impression on me is A Star Is Born mm. by Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. Um, it's it's just um, it's just really impactful, I think. And just to look into the, you know, we talk about wellness, we talk about well-being, and uh, I think um, even even if we're not stars or singers or performers like they are in the movie, I think we can all relate to some of the struggles that they go through. Yeah, definitely. The the emotions, the struggles, you know, the the failing and the winning and, you know, what seems to be glamorous, but in reality, not really so. Um, definitely. I, I love that movie, too. Thank you for that. What about a podcast recommendation? Um, I, uh, I have a, an anchor podcast that I tune into, and that's Heart to Wisdom. Um, it actually features the teachings of uh, one of my favorite teachers, Jack Cornfield. And I would recommend that if you're really interested in the teachings of mindfulness, then this is a great podcast to tune into. Okay. I've never heard of that before. So thank you for that recommendation. No problem. Um, next question is about your role model. Now, I always say to my guests, this could be a famous person or your personal role model in your life. And if you give us both, even better. Sure. Um, you know, the, the first person to come to mind actually would be the Buddha. Um, he is, uh, I mean, I've, I've never obviously met him in person, but uh, just through learning mindfulness and through the books that I've read, um, all that I've studied, he is one of the greatest teachers for me, and he is definitely a role model for me. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that. And final question in this part, what is a course you've completed that has really left a strong impact on you? So one of the recent courses, I really believe in lifelong learning and I constantly, I'm constantly taking up courses. I am still taking up a course right now um, as we speak. And uh, one of the, the, the recent courses that I've completed, it's something called Satipatthana. It's actually um, uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. 
Oh, very on brand. And yeah, yes. I love that, you know, you're sort of doing work in this area and you're still training yourself, you know, not, not like a self-proclaimed expert. I know everything and I'm not learning more about it. Um, so yeah, I really love that. And yeah, I love the concept of lifelong learning. That's uh, pretty much what we are here for. And, you know, everyone on our team is basically with that spirit at all times. So I really love that. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we've now got to know you a, a bit better. Um, so let's talk about mindful living. You know, I know it's a very big topic with lots of words, um, but the key concept um, would be mindful living in the context of our well-being. And so because we're talking about well-being, let's start there first uh, to paint a big picture. Then we'll go and talk about mindful living. So Aaron, what does well-being mean to you personally? Personally, when I think about my own well-being, um, it's always about being at ease. And I know that um, a lot of people think that, you know, well-being, they relate it to being happy. Um, but, you know, I, I realize that I'm, I'm never always happy all the time. But what I really would desire um, to have in, in life, in day-to-day -day life, is to be at ease. And I think um, in, in today's world, we live with a lot of disease. The word disease comes, you know, it really means you're in a state of disease or discomfort with the way things are. And so disease doesn't just mean, you know, like a physical disease. It can be a mental disease or emotional disease, social disease. And so when we're well, I think on all fronts, um, for me personally, I, I would like to feel ease in, in any moment as much as possible. Yeah. Well, oh, I love that you, you kind of break down the word, you know, disease, and then, you know, you, you cut a part of it and it turns into ease. I yes. really like that because I, I feel like I've, I've talked about it a few times on, on this show and the other show that I'm also hosting for LMSL about happiness. And I realized that there's, you know, this big misconception. And this is my personal observation that, you know, if you are happy, if you're well, it has to, like, everything has to feel upbeat and you, you got to feel it amazing at all times. And I used to feel like that for a re really long time when I was younger. Uh, but now, you know, like having grown a little bit more and, you know, had more perspectives, having talked to a lot of people, having been through things, I've realized that it's so important to just be comfortable in your own skin and to be comfortable doing nothing sometimes or, you know, doing the mundane things and really enjoy that. You know, it's it's hard because a lot of people kind of like, oh, like, you know, it's just the same thing over and over again. Oh, you know, like again with the cooking, with the cleaning, with the, you know, going to the gym. And, and you know, it's not actually that bad because I have really asked this question to many people, including people that I, you know, work with, um, my colleagues, my team. How do you enjoy the, you know, just the mundane moments? That's hard, right? And so I think that's kind of like one of the things that I picked up when you talk about ease. Um, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you're really focusing on um, being present with yourself. And of course, it goes back to being mindful, right? Because you're, you're being there with yourself, but you're not uncomfortable because there's nothing happening on the surface. In fact, it actually brings you a lot of peace and joy and wellness. Um, so that's kind of like one of the things that I noticed and one of the biggest misconceptions that I think people have about, you know, well-being. Uh, but obviously you've, you've worked in this field now professionally um, and you've, you've done the corporate jobs. Uh, so, you know, you, you know it all. I wonder what you think to be some of the biggest misconception people have when it comes to well-being. 
So on top of what we have just talked about, um, just uh, having to feel happy or be happy or upbeat all the time, another misconception I think um, people have about well-being is that we should only try to be well when we are unwell. Mm. Um, I've always believed, yeah, I've always believed that um, well-being and mindfulness in particular should take on a more preventative approach. And so, and it's it's often a little too late when we want to be well when we're already feeling unwell because there is obviously a buildup. Un- feeling unwell doesn't just happen like that. So there has been a buildup over some time. It's just that we are not used to paying attention to feeling unwell, or we choose to ignore, or we choose to distract ourselves. So it's really like you said, in the most mundane moments of our lives, and when we learn to pay attention, we're able to just notice what is happening within us from moment to moment, the happy moments, the unhappy moments, the, the, the mundane, boring moments. And from there, then we're able to recalibrate ourselves as necessary. So it, it really has to be practiced um, on an everyday basis, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That is so true. I think I mentioned this to one of my podcast guests the other day uh, when I talked about meditation because, you know, I'm pretty new to it. I'm not, you know, that deep into meditation and I mostly follow guided meditation. Um, I haven't been able to, you know, sit with myself with like no guidance whatsoever and do just, you know, meditation like that. But what I have found was, you know, even when in, in you know, this particular year of 2023, like well, there are moments where I felt amazing. And you know, the, the meditation started when I didn't feel amazing. But there are moments when I felt amazing and I, and I was kind of like, oh, it's a it's a habit now. And it, it's helped me so much and there's no guarantee what's going to come tomorrow. So I would love to just keep meditating daily and, you know, find different ways to to connect with myself and, you know, whatever it is that I am going through, or I have gone through. So I found that it's actually really helpful in the sense that it, it grounds me because I feel like if I had stopped meditating, I would be in a very different place right now, mentally, you know, because, you know, as our days go by, our life happens, things change, sometimes good things happen, sometimes not so great things happen. And then you just kind of, you know, you don't have the tools to cope. And oftentimes, I think you mentioned this at the very beginning and I'm kind of like, I'm like, yeah, we all have destructive habits, right? And so it's easy to fall back into destructive habits. And it's really good to have something to anchor you and to work on your well-being at all times. And in saying this, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. <laughs> Nobody is, I know. But you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm uh, doing all the great things because I still have destructive habits that I know I need to get rid of. Um, I know that it's a journey. And so when you said, it's not, you know, like being... Um, like just just doing the taking care of ourselves when things go wrong. I think that is so true because for a lot of people, even my friends, right? Sometimes they're kind of like, oh, my life's great. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. So, and then what are you doing for yourself, you know, to to nurture yourself and your well-being? And more often than not, the, the answer would probably be, well, I just go about my day. And so I think that is, where a lot of us, you know, forget to, you know, take care of ourselves um, in the sense that you were just saying. So totally agree with that. And I think there's really something there that we need to not just talk about more often, but teach kids, because I don't think kids get um, taught 
you know, how to take care of themselves better or, you know, um, how to kind of ground themselves in a way that would help them to deal with difficulties and challenges when they come, i.e. we end up with adults who have destructive habits and who do not know how to navigate themselves. Um, so yeah, I think that's just my observation when I heard your answer. But yeah, I think it's a it's a great one that you just identified. Yeah. Yeah. Always happy to share. I'm here on this show to overshare sometimes and I'm, I'm representative of the audience. I hope they can relate with that. Um, so we've talked about well-being. We've talked about, um, uh, you know, some of the misconceptions and uh, the one that you mentioned is a really big one. I love that. So now we move on to the topic. Okay. So now let's talk about mindfulness and mindful living. Uh, two concepts, I mean, two very big words, I think mm -hmm. hard to explain, uh, but I wonder how you would define mindfulness and mindful living. And, well, um, you're right. They are big words um, in a way that, you know, we talk about them all the time, but when it really comes to actually being mindful and living mindfully, what, you know, what does that mean? So let's start with just mindfulness. Um, there are a lot of definitions out there, but I think um, the two the two simplest definitions that I've heard is that mindfulness is knowing what you're doing as you're doing it and knowing what is happening as things are happening. It's, you know, as, as simple as it gets. So mindfulness really starts from attention, how we pay attention and how to use this attention effectively. So it's not all about just, you know, uh, focusing in the present moment. It's a lot of noticing what's going on and just being able to see things as they are. Um, and so if we're able to bring these skills into our daily lives and integrate them into the moments of our daily lives, then that's mindful living. So it can be as simple as when you're brushing your teeth, you know that you're brushing your teeth instead of allowing the mind to wander off to thinking and planning nonstop about what's going to happen tomorrow. And it can be as simple as being present with the person that you're interacting with and lending a listening ear, deep listening, and being non-judgmental towards um, the conversation. It can be um, just being able to watch yourself, observe yourself in times of difficulty, in times of stress, um, what's arising within the body, what's arising within the mind, and being able to um, keep a gentle watch on yourself and regulate your response. So, yeah, so that's essentially mindfulness and mindful living. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're so right in saying that we talk about these things all the time, but in practice, um, I think it's not just not knowing what they are actually about, but uh, we probably don't pay attention as much and so we can do all the talk, right? We can talk about it and we can define it. We can say what is right and what is wrong. But um, I think at the end of the day, to me as a, you know, a regular human who knows about the concept and trying to do better, I know that it's in the back of my mind, yes. Uh, but when, when life's happening and when things are stressful, like being mindful and living mindfully would be the last things I want to do because it's easier for me to run away. You know, it's easier for me to just sit on my couch, hug my, hug my cat and just do nothing um, compared to actually paying attention to the feeling and do something about it. Um, and I think I have a little a story to tell um, when it comes to this, because, you know, I think one of the best things that I have found growing up, you know, when it comes to mindfulness is probably journaling. 
And, you know, I, I grew up really great at journaling. I journal every day before bed. And, and then I grew up and then life happened. And then I stopped. And recently, um, one of my friends uh, started this uh, little group, you know, just uh, people in her life who are interested in, um, you know, sharing gratitude and good things. And so she started this little group. It's just a messenger group of uh, four of us. And uh, what we want to do together is to share our gratitude list every day. It can be daunting to share it, especially with people that you don't really know. Um, and so initially I was kind of, I'm, I was half excited, half scared uh, when it comes to it, because, you know, as an adult, um, I, I'm sure everyone can relate to this. There are things that you're so grateful for, but you don't really want to talk about because it's kind of, you know, like it's a bit, a little bit uh, embarrassing, bit embarrassing or, it. yeah, you know, or it could be like, you, you feel like you're exposing yourself. Mm, um, you feel and, vulnerable you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The vulnerability is real. Like, especially mm. like Brene Brown said, it's kind of like Here. the vulnerability hangover um, yeah. in, in a way when you're sharing, even when you're sharing with your closest friends. Now, uh, long story short, I started out strong. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, going to commit every day. And I'm going to, you know, mindfully journal. And that went on for a few days and then life happened again. And then I started to fall out of it. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I'm not, you know, mindfully journaling. And I feel like I'm just doing a chore. And so I'm kind of like, I kind of thought about it. And then I thought, why was it so easy for me as a kid to do this? I had this really simple routine as a kid. I had nothing that I wanted. You know, now as an adult, I have everything I'd ever wanted as a kid, but I suck at being mindful and I'm not great at mindful living anymore. I was great at it as a kid. And so I'm sharing this story, not because I have an answer to my problem, uh, but because I think the key is to tune in to yourself when when you catch yourself feeling these things. And I guess, you know, as that that is a really big part of um, self-discipline. It's kind of related as well, right? Because I think it's really easy for you to just say, I don't have to answer to anyone today. I'm just going to do whatever I want. But actually, you know, mindfully savor the day or, you know, reflect on your day really helps. And maybe sometimes it'll feel like a chore, but it's good to remind ourselves. And I'm sharing this story so I can, I rem, I'm reminding my own self today to keep doing that. Yesterday I did journal. I was great at it, but I did not write down my gratitude list to share with the group. Um, and I forgive myself for that. Uh, it, it's just interesting when you talked about, you know, mindfulness and mindful living, because I feel like if we are doing everything mindfully, then it'll be really easy to incorporate these little things into our days. Uh, but I feel like a lot of us are on autopilot, you know, because yeah, yeah, I, it, it's I, hard. Yeah, it, it yeah. is hard. Uh, we are mostly, we're just mostly forgetful people nowadays. <laughs> and I and you sharing your story about this about journaling and practicing gratitude and it just reminds me of the many people that I've worked with as well um, and it, it may not be journaling it may be some other forms of mindfulness practice it could be you know like meditation and there is also this element of getting them to journal down what comes up for them every time yeah. they need, you know they they practice mindfulness or they meditate and you know often they would come come back to me and say you know, I didn't really practice much this week. And so um, I didn't really journal and I don't really know what to talk about today with you. And 
you know, then I would get them to um, consider that whether or not you practice, every moment of your experience it in itself is an opportunity to practice. Even the moments when you're not practicing is a moment of practice. And all it takes is just noticing what's going on. So in that moment, you may have been procrastinating on journaling or meditating. And you notice what's going on in, with that procrastination. What's going on in the mind? What's going on in the body? Where is that reluctance coming from? Um, when you forget to journal and you're noticing some guilt, maybe a little embarrassment or shame, and then you look into that and and you, you notice what's here. Does this emotion show up in the body? And that is in itself a moment of mindfulness. And that's really how we we practice it. So it's not so much of, even though routines really help us, it really helps to ground us, but there will be moments where routines don't stay constant and they change all the time. And it's really about the process of noticing how we are responding to these changes in our lives. Yeah, that is very true. Look, I, I think I shared that little story because I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that and relate to it. Um, because uh, as I said, and you briefly touched on this as well. Um, we probably don't notice when we're not noticing. That's kind of like what, what is similar to what you were saying to me. And, you know, mindful living can be uh, observed when it comes to work as well. Uh, right now, I'm talking to you, you know, interviewing you on this podcast. This is a great experience of my day. Like this is one of the highlights of my day, right? But... I have to confess, sometimes in recordings, my mind would wander because we're talking about a certain topic, right? And then I'll be thinking about something that's related to the topic. And I'll be like, oh, what should I do about this and that today? You know, like, oh, like, you know, I need to mindfully do the chores today or something. Yeah. Um, and that is also me catching myself not being yes. mindful, yes, thinking absolutely. about mindfulness. <laughs> so yes. it's, you know, it's it, it can happen like that. And I feel like the, the trick is just to be kind to yourself because it, when you catch yourself, you bring yourself back to the moment. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. So I think what's really important here is that noticing. Because what we don't usually realize is that the moment you notice that you have wandered away, you are already back in the present. And yeah. that's that's what the practice is about. Mm. Yeah. So I think you you just sort of already explained. We we have a question about sort of explaining um, what mindful living is in simple terms. But I think you already did that by saying sometimes we can be on autopilot. Sometimes we can be reactive in life, um, and that is because we are not paying attention. Uh, but mindful living is not. Oh, I'm not on autopilot or I'm not reactive, I'm very much aware of what's going on. It's not all of that. It's rather, maybe I am on autopilot right now, but I caught myself being on autopilot and I redirect my attention. And I think that would be a more accurate way and, and a, a better way of looking at it because a lot of people can get really scared and because it, it sounds daunting, right? You have to pay attention all the time. And that means... <laughs> That means taking charge of your life. That means being you're really aware of what, whatever's going on. Um, and it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort, I would say. You know, it's easier because sometimes we're tired and, you know, the last thing we want to do is pay attention. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate to this. You have a moment at a cafe, uh, you know, you're about to 
uh, place an order to your coffee and then, you know, in, instead of uh, saying your name, you say your colleague's name or something uh, because you're not paying attention. You're thinking about something else. Uh, and so it's just catching yourself, laughing it off and, you know, redirect that attention rather than being embarrassed because I think it's so easy to be embarrassed by these little things. It happens all the time. It happens to me more often than not. And um, yeah, I, I used to find it really hard to laugh at myself, but now I find it so much easier because I'm like, oh, I was just not mindful. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, I, I explained that, you know, this is how I see mindful living to be different. Um, and, you know, in, in very simple terms, how it's different from being on autopilot uh, and being reactive in life. But I'm wondering if you want to add anything else to that um, in case we didn't cover some of the other concepts. Yeah, I think um, you, you mentioned about um, this paying attention requiring effort. And I, I think it's very true because we are just so conditioned to be living on autopilot nowadays. And there is just another common misconception about mindfulness that I wanted to share here is that a lot of people see being mindful as relaxing and, you know, the practice of mindfulness as like a kind of a spacing out, uh, blanking out, you know, like, like you, you said, right, we've had a tired day and we just want to sit down with a cup of coffee and then we just... We just basically want to not think about anything and just allow the mind to drift. And um, a lot of people may not know that this is actually not um, a state of mindfulness spacing out because mindfulness is all about awareness. And when we're spaced out, where is where is our attention? It's not connected to the present moment. And so, yes, even though spacing out feels really good, I really enjoy it sometimes as well, but we have to recognize that it's not a state of being mindful. And so, yes, there is um, a need for us to put in effort and be intentional about this paying attention. And um, and it may be difficult for a start just because over years we have been conditioned to be on autopilot. But with practice, I think with diligent practice every day, with intentional practice every day, this awareness also becomes something that's very natural for us. And instead of thinking of it as... Uh, like a total relaxation when you're being mindful, I would say that the, the state that we're closer to would be what we call relaxed alertness. So it's a state of being awake, being wakeful and just in the know of everything that's happening around you. But this, the quality of your attention is also relatively free of tension. And that's why it's a state of relaxed alertness. Yeah. That is such a great concept, relaxed alertness. Yes. Yeah, I, like I, I was, my mind was wandering thinking about that. <laughs> to be very honest, that's fine. It's asking you. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, relaxed alertness. Okay, that's that's interesting. Like I, well, I, I think we all have been through that, or you know, we might have uh, been able to do that at a certain point, but uh, it's just now mindfully noticing when it is happening. Yeah, yeah, so it used to go unnoticed, but now yeah. we're, we're starting to notice it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I think that's kind of, um, it's it's a kind of productive rest in a way, mm -hmm. because, you know, um, I, I talked about this on another podcast, but it was basically about how we are always, you know, in this zone where we need to do more all yes. the time. And if we're not yeah. doing anything, we're not productive and therefore we're not taking care of ourselves or we're not uh, being, you know, a, a good human of some sort. <laughs> and yes. it's so not true because I feel like that, you know, relaxed alertness you talk about would be similar to just doing nothing and really enjoying doing nothing. 
at a certain point because that helps you to relax and boost your well-being. That's so important. Yes, and there's a reason why it's called well-being, right? It's not well-doing. Yeah. So we have to keep doing stuff. We can just be with what's here and it doesn't mean that we're being unproductive or nothing is happening. But yeah, very true. And another thing about well-being is we avoid stress at all costs, right? We, whenever we hear the word stress, we're kind of like, oh, that's bad. I don't really... I don't want it. I don't want stress. Yeah, I don't want it. You know, get away. Um, Or sometimes when we are feeling unpleasant um, or going through tough emotions, we're kind of like, ah... I don't, I hate this. I don't, I don't want this. Just go away. It's very common. Everyone does that. I do that more often than not. I can, I can tell you that. Um, and so I wonder how we can incorporate mindful living into, you know, this act of uh, coping. Of, of course, we're talking about healthy, healthily coping with stress and healthily managing our mental well-being because it's not about ignoring the stress, running away from the stress or not wanting any stress at all. Life doesn't work that way, right? And I'm sure with mindful living, we can um, find ways to achieve that. And so what are some of the ways that mindfulness and mindful living can help us with this? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I think fundamentally, um, the approach of mindfulness towards stress can feel um, quite counterintuitive to a lot of us. Because like you said, when we encounter any forms of stress or anything that um, we feel uncomfortable with or even pain, it could be physical pain, it could be mental, emotional pain, our first instinct is to want to turn away from it. And this is why we live in a culture where, you know, there's so much, for example, addictions or consumerism, because these are all avenues for us to distract ourselves just because we're not, we, we don't want to face that discomfort, face that pain. But what we don't realize is that this this turning away doesn't actually address the root cause of the issue, which is very often the relationship with your pain. So while we can't avoid stress, we can't avoid pain in day-to-day life, but we can change our relationship with it um, and choose to not engage with it as intensely as we, we did before. And so the fundamentals of mindfulness, the mindful approach to managing stress, first and foremost, is to turn towards stress rather than running away from it. And this is usually the biggest hurdle with mindfulness, right? Because nobody wants to turn towards pain. And that's why we learn to do it in meditation when we're sitting down in stillness and when a pain comes up or uh, you know a disturbing thought comes in. And instead of running away, we stay with it. We learn to just rest with it and just be able to watch it, observe it without necessarily engaging with them or reacting towards them. And so we we approach stress this way, not as a way to get rid of stress from our lives or even reduce stress, but to change how we relate to it. And this these skills can only come from practice. And I would say that it's not enough to practice this um, when stress comes to you. It's not possible. Um, and I always use the uh, the analogy of swimming. Um, I ask people this question, why do you learn to swim? Do you learn because it's a recreation, it's for fitness? No, right? It's actually survival. It's a survival skill. Um, but do you only practice swimming when you are drowning in the ocean, for 
you can't, right? So every every day in the most mundane moments of your life, you practice in the safety of a swimming pool, perhaps with a, under the safety of a coach guiding you. And every day you just practice the same strokes over and over again until you get good enough. And uh, in case one day you really do drop into the ocean, you have the skills to save yourselves. And we have to see mindfulness this way as well. Um, John Kabat-Zinn said that, um, you know, we have to practice mindfulness like our life depended on it. And I think it's really true. So when we practice mindfulness, we don't practice it for stressful moments. I mean, we do, but we don't only practice it during stressful moments. We have to practice it in the most mundane moments of our lives every day, practicing sitting, resting with, integrating it into everyday moments, and then we'll get good enough at it. And one day when stress hits us, we will have the skills to navigate. Yeah, that's so good to hear because um, I think um, when you mentioned survival skills, it's uh, I think it hits home for a lot of people. You know, stress is, uh, as I said before, something that we all try to run away from, but it's always going to be there. You know, like even even when you go through the the best moments in your lives, um, for example, uh, I think this this is something everyone can relate to. Um, you're so excited about uh, the prospect of, let's say, moving into your dream house. Everyone can probably relate to the feeling. And guess what? You have to pack. You have to move, you know, you have to sort things out. You have to do all the admin stuff and the stress comes with that, you know, even in the, you know, in the best moments and with the best things that happen. Um, and then other things could happen on the day to day as well. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, like I always look forward to dinner time. Great. But then who's going to do the cooking and cleaning, right? That's stress um, a little bit, not too much. Uh, but I think you're so right in saying that it's a survival skill because, um, we tend to get overwhelmed when it's a lot of stress, you know, one on top of another. And that's where it it becomes really evident that if we don't have the skill to deal with it, um, it can actually kill us because, you know, it, it is it is a thing, right? A lot of people go through exhaustion um, and I think chronic stress, chronic depression can have a severe impact on our physical health. And, you know, a lot of people cannot deal with that. And, and that leads to uh, fatalities, unfortunately. So it is right uh, to be considered a survival skill to be able to tune in with our stress. Um, and as I said, I'm not great at it, but I know that I have a tendency of running away um, a lot of the times. And I think probably, you know, at least half of the audience members would probably be able to relate with this. You know, I, I don't know about uh, people that are just like, yeah, stress, bring it on. You know, I, I know a lot of people who are like me who can kind of say, this is so stressful. I do not want to do anything. And I just want to go out tonight instead of dealing with the, you know, the stress of cleaning and tidying my apartment. Let me just go out tonight instead of, um, you know, sitting with myself and addressing my um, not so great behaviors or my destructive habits let me just do it, you know, go out and do a little more of the destructive habits of, you know, drinking, for example, a lot of people do this. Um, and you used to be one of those people and you, you said that yourself, right? At the beginning that that's what happened. Um, so mindful living really helps in, in that sense, because I think we don't notice when we are running away. We probably notice in hindsight, but not when it's happening. Yes. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. And one of my 
biggest concerns about mindfulness and how it's being perceived is that um, people can think that it's about enjoying the present moment. There's an element of enjoyment. And yeah. so, you know, like you said, right, um, I don't want to face my, my problems. And so I'm just going to indulge in some kind of sensual pleasures in, in, in the present moment. And this can result in, you know, I'll go shopping, I'll go watch a movie, I'll go drink alcohol, I'll go clubbing. And uh, some of my students would say, oh, it's like YOLO, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> you only live once. So let's forget about everything and let's just be mindful about life and enjoy life. And I'd be really quick to, to you know, try to clarify that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good. That's good. So that's one of the misconceptions because people yes. can, you know, if if people look at this in the wrong light, it could be detrimental to us. Oh. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Mindful living and being mindful or having mindfulness is not about YOLO. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not at all. And in fact, you, you just said it. One of the misconceptions also is to be mindful of the pleasant moment or like whatever is happening now that is pleasant. No, it's actually both. When oh. something's pleasant that's happening, you notice that. When something's unpleasant that's happening, you also notice that. Yes. And um, so that that would be, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions. I really love that you addressed that. What about some other misconceptions that people might have about mindfulness and mindful living? Well, the common ones I can um, think of right now is um, just mindfulness being about having to empty the mind or clear the mind. I think that's quite a common one. Um, and especially when people sit down to uh, to meditate and uh, they they may intellectually know that they don't have to empty the mind but when it comes to the actual practice you know when when we sit let's say we sit with the breath or we sit with the body and then you know they would get distracted by their own thoughts and then they would get really frustrated about that um, you know and they, they would they would come to the conclusion that oh you know I I it wasn't a good practice for me and so that's that's where the inquiry comes in. It's really important to inquire into your experience after a practice. Like, what did you notice? What came up for you? How did you relate to that experience? And when when they inquire into it, then they realize that they were, you know, they were forming judgments about whether their practice was good or bad. And it's not really about that. It's about noticing it and just taking every moment as a practice. What we've talked about before. So every time the mind wanders away. And what we just need to do is to guide the attention back to what we are, we want to pay attention to. And that's it. That's the practice. And we repeat this over and over and over again. And, and that's really what the, the practice is about. So it's not so much about not having to think about anything or just having a peaceful, zen, chill out kind of state of mind and really yeah. being with, with the mind as it is and learning to, again, change your relationship with with the mind, whether it's thoughts or emotions. So that's, yeah. 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 Um, another um, misconception I think that's not commonly addressed, as commonly addressed, is that people tend to equate being mindful as focusing. So if I'm mindful, I'm focused. And so the question that I usually ask is, you know, have you met people um, perhaps, uh, you know, taking public transport and uh, or walking along the streets and you know their head is bowed down and they're looking at their phone and they're so absorbed in their phone that they don't notice traffic or people walking around them and end up tripping over things you know things like that so i asked them were they were they focused 
they was like, they said yes, and were they mindful? <laughs> and they have to think twice about them. Were they mindful? So it's not actually the same thing. And yeah. mindfulness is not about being exclusively focused on one thing. It's really about knowing what is happening. And of course, we we need to see our attention as something that's flexible. It's a very flexible capacity. We can really zoom in on something and really have very deep focus and that's sometimes needed. But in day-to-day life, when we want to integrate moments of mindfulness into our everyday life, we can't have this kind of um, attention. We need to have a more open, uh, widened, expansive, inclusive kind of attention where we are aware of everything that's going on. So the practice of mindfulness is not only about focusing. That's really good. I think that's such a great example of one of the biggest misconceptions, Um, because it's funny how you when you said that, because I was like, that's a classic example of people just want to make it something that they already have or, you know, saying that, yes, I am mindful um, and sort of try to play with the word or the concept uh, in a way that is actually not true, uh, but, you know, can benefit them in, in some ways. Because if they're like, yeah, I'm very engrossed in, you know, this activity right now on my phone, I'm mindful. No, <laughs> that's, that's not what this is about. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the example you mentioned uh, sort of got me to think about something. So being engrossed in, in your phone, you know, whatever's going on there, that's one of the key things that have been impacting relationships nowadays right? Because we have a relationship with the self, we have relationships with people around us, and then we have a relationship with uh, unknown things on the internet and other people on the internet, i.e., you know, what we look at on our phone all the time. So being mindful and, you know, having, you know, incorporating mindful living into our lives, um, I would say to be something that would probably benefit relationships from what I've heard so far, obviously, you know, from what you just said, you know, you pay attention to everything that's going on. We don't just tune into the good things. We also, um, you know, be able to, we're also able to tune into the not so great things to deal with it, to, to kind of process it. Same thing happens with relationships, right? You have to be present at all times and relationships are a big part of our lives. So, you know, it's really easy to, let's say, in a relationship, um, whether it be friendship or partnership or, you know, parent-children um, relationship to say, I'm here with you. I am mindful, right? It's really easy to be like, yeah, I'm right here. What are you talking about? But a lot of the times things go south when, for example, you're conversing and you're kind of like, oh, like this is what's happening. And this is what like I really want to get your help or your perspective. Let's say you're talking to a friend, a good friend. And instead of answering the question or helping you with what you're trying to, uh, to, to look for, um, they offer solutions that are kind of unsolicited or, you know, they say something that would hurt you in a way because they didn't really hear you. And I, I know this happens more often than not. And, you know, it happens in our lives, right? It could happen to us or we could be the one doing this, um, you know, unknowingly from time to time. So, this is just one of the many things that I'm sure happen out there. And because you work with a lot of people, I'm sure people come to you with similar problems. So I wonder what are some of the ways that we can incorporate mindfulness and mindful living into the way that we you know, nurture our relationships, so we can actually improve and you know better our relationships. So um, first and foremost, I would recommend that we really, really should put away the phone. 
I um, this reminds me of a story. Um, I I have I used to have a friend. I mean, he's he's still my friend, uh, but he used to do this all the time. Like I would be sharing things with him in a conversation, and he would be holding his phone in front of him, and he would be checking his email or going through LinkedIn, and then I would be talking, and he'd be doing that, and and then I see that he's not paying attention to me. So I would stop. I would deliberately stop talking. And then he would look up and he said, why don't you stop talking? Keep talking and listening. And then he would go back and continue scrolling through his phone. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're not listening to me because you are only half listening to me. You're half paying attention. And I think this is a common phenomenon that we can observe nowadays. Um, and we no longer have the same quality of attention as we did before way before. Um, and this really impacts communication. So a lot of uh, the practice of mindfulness is really also, I think, about being thoughtful. Um, uh, we probably don't discuss this as much, but it's it's not um, all the time about the self, but really how the self is impacting what's around us or who's around us. So when it comes to mindful communications or communicating mindfully, it's beyond self-development. It's beyond self-help. And uh, we mentioned the, the quality of attention just now and how flexible our attention is. And this mindful communications really require us to have our attention to be flexible and dynamic at all times. And so, you know, let's take the two of us, for example, we're in a, an interaction right now. And so yeah. um, where should my attention be if mindfulness is really all about paying attention, should I only be paying attention to you, right? By right, I should be paying attention to you and be fully present with you, which yeah. I'm practicing. Um, and But it shouldn't be on you only. I should also be at the same time practicing mindful attention on myself, what I'm saying, my facial yeah. expression. And it's not, and you and I are not two separate entities in this interaction, right? So there are exchanges between us mm -hmm. intellectually, energy-wise. And so um, at, at the same time, I'm paying attention to myself. I should also pay attention to how I am impacting you with what I say. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, what you say, how it's impacting me. So yeah. it's a really dynamic process. And this requires a very different state of attention than focusing. It's, uh, it's what we call an open awareness and yeah. it's a very dynamic process. You're just aware of everything. Um, there's space for us yeah. to observe and watch what's going on. And we have the we have the flexibility and also the space and the option to um, sort of jump in and engage, you know, as and when we deem to be necessary, right? Yeah. So this is the basics of um, communication. So when we pay attention this way, um, then we will be able to uh, to better judge or better, um, you know, determine what's needed of me in this moment when I'm really paying attention this way. This solution that I'm giving to you, is that really helpful right now? Am yeah. I really kind right now? Is that really what the other party needs? Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. I think a lot of that goes with, um, you know, empathy and active listening as well, right? It's it's not just about being mindful, um, but also it takes more than I'm paying attention to you and I'm paying attention to how I'm delivering my my answers. It goes way beyond that. And it's, it's kind of tough when it comes to relationship. I think it's more so 
being able to read into the cues that are not verbal sometimes, um, which is, you know, important in, in mindfulness because the conversation could go really well and you miss a little cue here and there and then turns out it was not that great later on or it could still impact you after that. And I think that's where it's really tricky when it comes to relationships. Being mindful in, you know, in our everyday interactions with ourselves, with the world and how we carry ourselves, that's already hard, but it can be manageable. Whereas when it comes to relationships, there's so much more. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's very complex because it's not just you. It's also, you know, it's another, another human who could be completely different from you. And a lot of misunderstandings happen. You know, like I, I hear this all the time from stories of friends and looking back on my own life, you know, with all the things that happen, it could just be, you know, you're, you're kind of like trying to like being really mindful in this interaction. For example, Aaron, I'm really happy that we get to chat, for example, and maybe I come on a little too strong. And I scare you off. And you're kind of like, yes, yes, I'm having a great time too. Because you kind of like, you have to be mindful in how you are interacting with me. So you're being really nice. But then in fact, you're kind of like, okay, that's a little bit too much. And you kind of pull back a little bit. But the other person doesn't know because there are, you know, cues that are not verbal. Um, so I think it's also about being mindful when it comes to interacting and how the interactions follow through later on, um, you know, what, what are the things that happen? It's kind of like this big puzzle, right? It's not just about um, that particular interaction. Um, it's an extension of a lot of different interactions, which is tricky, but I guess in a way it's fun to, to kind of pay attention to all of that. And you always learn uh, a few things about other people. Yeah, to say the least, I know. Um, Okay, so we've covered a lot, uh, you know, when it comes to mindfulness um, and mindful living. We, we've got to sort of share some bits of information and also ways to um, incorporate this into our lives and, and really look out for the pitfalls. But that's, you know, very theoretical. Now let's get a bit more practical. Um, so we have a, a section where we call, um, you know, practice habit debrief. I know it sounds very serious, but it's not. Uh, we just want to get some of your recommendations because obviously we are going to have a, a wide range of people who tune into the podcast. Some of them might be really new to, the, to this concept of mindful living. Some of them are probably already, you know, practicing it, but might need a little more help. Um, so for those that are tuning into this episode, um, I'm sure they would be curious to know um, a practice that you do to to live with mindfulness. And, you know, if you want to, you can also expand on that and, and share a bit more about the different kinds of practice that people who who are probably new to the, the concept or who are already practicing it could improve the practice themselves. Sure. So for me personally, how I practice is um, I make sure that I address both Form, what we call formal mindfulness and informal mindfulness practice. So formal means that you really take the time and space, you put everything aside. And usually what we do with this time and space is to meditate. So I do my meditation every morning, right after I wake up and I brush my teeth and I make I, I get myself into a more alert state. And then I would sit with my breath and my body. So that's my go-to practice every morning. Uh, it may not work the same for everybody. Not everyone is a morning person. You may want to try this at other times of the day or just before you take rest at night. Um, but for me, I know that morning works best. And so that's my go-to practice. 
for formal mindfulness. And then there's informal mindfulness where um, you base this on the the idea and also the practice that um, ideally in every waking moment we are paying attention. There is mindful awareness involved. And so this requires us to intentionally put in effort to bring mindfulness to everything that we do in day-to-day life. So whether it's talking to someone, whether it's going about a mundane daily routine like chores, washing the dishes, or eating a meal, um, if I can, I will uh, bring mindful awareness to that as, as much as I can. Even, you know, like walking from one place to another, I really like to put my phone away and just focus on um, every step and also the environment around me. I think uh, these are practices that really work for me. And if you're really, if you're starting out, I have this framework that I recommend to everyone and that's um, forwards. Think big and start small. So why is it important to think big? Because um, I think it's really important to clarify for ourselves why we're doing this, what mindfulness means to you. Um, there's just so much talk about mindfulness nowadays and you know you may feel really uh, maybe I don't know obliged to to follow the trend or something think oh you know mindfulness may work for me should I try it should I not so do a lot of research on that and really understand what it is how it's being um, adopted and really know what it could do for you and how it could transform your life so have a really good and deep understanding of that and then once you know that, once you're convinced and you have confidence that this is something that you would like to invest your time and energy in, then start small. So be really practical about it. And you don't have to practice for long durations for a start. My um, uh, my advice is usually to favor consistency over duration. So I would rather that you practice five minutes every single day than one hour once a week or once a month. So, you know, it could be five minutes of just sitting with the breath every day. It could be five minutes of um, brushing your teeth mindfully, drinking a first cup of coffee with full awareness, full presence, and you stick to that same routine every day at the same time. And this really helps to build in the habit. And over time, this will become, this kind of awareness will become really natural for you. So I think this is a, a good way to start. Yeah, definitely. I think those are really great tips. Start, uh, think big, start small. I like that. Yeah, uh, I, I think everyone can try this because it will have a strong impact on our daily lives. Um, I guess we all get really intimidated when it comes to starting anything. Like I told you with my journaling, right? I was like, oh, okay, um, I can do this every day. And then when it's, when it's time, I'm like, oh, it's going to take so much energy. You know, I, I, I have this mental block where I'm like, oh, it's going to take so much energy to think about the good things that happened in my day. And I'm like, but when I sit, when I lie down in bed at night, I'm like, actually, it's not that big. I can like easily draft a list right now, you know, instead of having it cluttered in here. Um, but it takes practice. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, little by little every day, you start with five minutes and then it will build up to 15. Um, like, just like any other practice or habits, any yeah. habits in our lives would have to be formed like that. Even the yeah. bad ones, right? 
the first time you <laughs> yeah. yeah remember the first time you had a drink and then you had five you, well okay, you know it started it, it started with a sip right and then yeah. now it's like bottles and stuff. yeah <laughs> yeah so if we can if we can form our bad habits like that we can easily form our good habits like that too it's just a matter of where we put our energy which is really hard again i am not perfect at this at all i in fact i'm struggling sometimes um and by sharing this i'm reminding my own self um to change how i approach it so thank you for sharing that practice and before we let you go last part of this podcast is open mic we would love to invite you to talk about anything you're passionate about i know you have a topic in mind already and it sounded interesting so i would love to hear more about it Sure. Um, I would just like to share a little a bit more about this um, sort of like a big idea that I'm nurturing as uh, the, the the core of my work, um, and that's related to the word nian. So nian is actually a Chinese character and word, um, and it's also tra- uh, mindfulness translated into Chinese. So mindfulness in Chinese is zheng nian, or right mindfulness. So what's really interesting about Nian, that the character, when you write it um, in, out in, in Chinese, um, it consists of two other characters. So Chinese is quite pictorial, so it's made up of two characters, and the top part of the character is Jin. So Jin actually means the present or now. And the bottom character is Xin. So in Chinese, Xin means the mind, or the heart, they actually mean the same thing. Xin. Mm. So we have Jin, Xin, so present moment, heart and mind. So what it really, uh, it really embodies the meaning of, um, uh, you know, just placing our heart and mind in the present moment. And I think that's really apt for the practice of mindfulness. No matter what you're doing, what's happening, as long as we intentionally be present, then that in itself is the practice. And also what's really interesting about the word nian is that uh, it has connotations of memory, of keeping in mind. So for example, if I say xiang nian or huai nian, that means I'm keeping somebody or something in mind and really making the effort to remember something. And so this is really important in mindfulness because we discussed before, right? We're basically forgetful all the time. And one of the biggest challenges with being mindful is that we don't remember to practice. And so for a start, it really takes intentional effort to keep reminding ourselves, keep keeping in mind what mindfulness is, what it could do for us and how to practice it. And constantly reminding ourselves to practice so that we can live better. And so nian um, as a big idea is really about reminding ourselves to live better. And I, I wanted to just imprint this word nian in our minds so that we can keep it in mind. And of course, this will be the core of my work moving forward. Uh, I'll be developing more resources on this end and to, to sort of curate more helpful content and creations and communities that can help one another um, remind ourselves to live better. So that's nian. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm Thank excited you. to find out more about um, the resources that you're going to develop and, you know, continue to see you work on this big idea. Um, it, it seems like it deserves to, to be on a TED Talk stage for sure. Oh, so I want to count on that. Um, and for our audience who would like to find out more about your work or maybe get in touch with you for a collaboration or work with you, how can they find out about you? 
So you can visit my website. Um, I have uh, developed the Nian website. It's called nianlife.com, N-I-A-N, life, L-I-F-E.com. And my personal website, mindfulmoments.sg. And of course, feel free to connect to me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there as Amazing. I'm going to do that. I don't I don't think I have you on LinkedIn yet. So yeah, I'll, I'll knock on your LinkedIn door. Thank you so much for being here today. I've absolutely loved our conversation. Um, I, I've learned a lot, um, especially get, you know, relearning things is, is a really big part of our everyday, right? Because I don't think we are that ignorant that we don't know about these things, but sometimes we need a little bit of a reminder. Sometimes we need more guidance to practice it and, you know, improve on it. So thank you. I think that's what you have really done for us today. And I just love your energy, even though we're not in the same physical room. I, I really enjoy um, talking to you virtually and um, hopefully Likewise. we'll have you back some other time. It's hopefully. really fun. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lou. Yeah. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. You have been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, Please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lungo. Thanks for tuning in.